Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket costs. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 888 303 9136. 888 303 9136. That's 888 303 9136. To listen live by phone is 515-605-9375. You can also find us online at blogtalkusa.com or our Blog Talk Radio channel, blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. And you can always download us in podcast form on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Radio, pretty much any place you can find podcasts, you can find Blog Talk USA podcasts and Marvelous Monday. Okay, I know we have an exciting show, and we have lots of special guests, so let me give you to your host, Dr. Shirley McKellar. Welcome, Dr. McKellar. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Marvelous Monday. And, Miss Rihanna, it has been a marvelous and busy Monday, as usual, but we're always very happy to be right back here every Monday for Marvelous Monday. This is a great way to end the day. And before we get going, I just want to mention that on tomorrow night, it's going to be a very interesting and exciting evening. We're actually having our town hall meeting with Black Lives Matter. And so we have a wide range of diversity that's going to be on the town hall meeting. It's going to be via Zoom. And so we want to make sure that everybody gets that information. And it's going to begin at 6 o'clock p.m., but you better tune in a little early because a lot of people are going to be trying to get on. And you know how technology can be sometimes, Ms. Rihanna. Uh, It's good when it works, but when it doesn't, sometimes not so good. And so since a lot of people are going to be trying to get on tomorrow, it probably will work out better if you got on there just a few minutes before. Because as you know, we spend our lives on Zoom, right? So a lot of Zooming, (laughs) yes, a lot of Zooming is going on around America. 
So, uh, but we encourage that. And so I don't know if we need to post it someplace. It's all on social media. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. And, and hopefully, Ms. Rihanna, you've posted it on our website so that people will be able to snatch it and join in with us. But before we get going, yeah. let's see if our, some of our other team members are out there. Mr. Arthur, are you on with us right now? Yeah, how y'all doing tonight? We're great. How, doing, how are you? Good. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. We got Rihanna great, great. in the house. Got <laughs> in the house. It's not, it, it, it's not the same if Miss Rihanna is not in the house, that's for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot Aww. of things uh, actually going on uh, around our country. Uh, I don't know if uh, one of our, our mm, associates, I would say, uh, is going to be on with us tonight. Uh, we have a few military people that may be on to talk about a few things that are going on right here in Texas at Fort Hood, and I'm sure everybody's been keeping up with that, Mr. Arthur, who is a military personnel as well. And uh, we know that a couple of persons, soldiers, uh, came up missing on uh, from out at Fort Hood in Kaleen, Texas, uh, outside of Waco. And uh, we just found out that one of the bodies, or a body, uh, was discovered uh, to be one of those uh, soldiers that were missing. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about that. But um, it's, it's heartbreaking, uh, actually. But, but before we go there, let's, let's see who all we have. We have some very, very special guests that's on with us tonight. And they're going to be part of our town hall meeting uh, on tomorrow and we also want to say that uh, representative, state representative of Michigan, uh, Representative uh, Joel Jones, is going to be on with us on tomorrow evening as well. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we, we just want to see if we can bring some of the things that we're continuing to experience to a screeching halt and so that we can move forward and move on and, and say that the, the Declaration of Independence that is declared, that it applies to all men and not just some. But, uh, Ms. Rihanna, I want to see, find out first if we have Mr. Carl Jones, excuse me, Carl Davis. I'm sorry, still on Joel Jones. Mr. Carl Davis, that's on with us tonight from out of Houston, Texas, along with the football players that played with the late Mr. George Floyd. Those guys are doing some amazing work and putting some things together in honor of Mr. Floyd. And so Mr. Carl Davis uh, from a 713 number, Ms. Rihanna, Mr. Mr. Davis, yes. if you're there, uh, please I'm let us here. know. I'm here. Yes, yes, great. Well, welcome back. He's no stranger to Marvelous Monday. He's been on many times. As you know, he's a, a devout, hardworking Democrat uh, in the great state of Texas and this nation. And I say this all the time. If you want to make something happen, call Mr. Carl Davis out in Houston, Texas. So welcome to the show, sir. It's great to have you back on tonight. Thank you so much, Dr. Keller. Glad to be with you. Yes, sir. And so, Ms. Carl, if you would go ahead, we're going to get started and, and introduce uh, the, the fine gentleman that, uh, that's going to be on with us tonight who were schoolmates and and football uh, mates with uh, Mr. Floyd out there at Yates, Jack Yates, one of the noted high schools 
in Texas, right there in Houston, Texas. And so all those lines are open. So if you want to begin, uh, Mr. Carl, by introducing uh, the guest, and then we'll get started. Okay, great, uh, Dr. Uh, Shirley McKellar. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak to your audience. Uh, I think Herbert Mouton is on the call. Herbert? Yes, yes. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, is Vaughn Dickerson on the call? No, Vaughn is running late. He'll, he'll, he'll be trying, He'll be calling in a little bit. Okay, is this Gerald? <laughs> yeah, this is Gerald. Gerald Moore. Okay, great, great, great. Thank you all so much for joining tonight. Dr. McKellar, uh, uh, yes, is sir. a noted uh, uh, elected official in East Texas okay. and a noted uh, young, uh, lady around this country who has made great impact uh, in her community and in this state. Uh, and we are indeed honored to have the opportunity to speak to your audience. These young men uh, who I have on tonight is uh, Herbert Mouton and Gerald Moore, who are who were classmates. And Jonathan Beard as well, Paul. What did you say? Jonathan Beard on Jonathan Beard is on as well. Oh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Okay. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, glad you could join us. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Thank you. Yes, sir. Doing, doing great. Great. So we have three of the four on tonight. On the, the call tonight, Dr. Keller, and they were classmates of uh, uh, George Floyd, uh, and they have lived, the, uh, they grew up with him in, in school, they played ball with him, so they know him. They, uh, they yeah. know uh, him as, as a student, as an athlete, because they've worked alongside him, and after the tragedy that occurred in Minnesota, uh, they have come together as one unit to make an impact and in honor of their classmate, George Floyd. And I would like to turn it over to them to share with you what their vision is and what they uh, plan on doing. That is outstanding. I, let me first say that I am just so honored to have you gentlemen on, and I salute you for the great work that you're doing in keeping the legacy of Mr. George Floyd uh, alive and well. And, and let me just mention that I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, who is actually putting on the town hall meeting on tomorrow. And we actually gave a full four-year scholarship to his young daughter uh, at one, any HBCU that she'd like to attend. So when she grows up, her scholarship, her, her college education will already be paid for. So I wanted to make note of that before we get going. And so, gentlemen, just take over and, and let us know, let the people know exactly uh, what all you have in mind and what all you're going to plan on doing right there in Houston, Texas. Go right ahead. Great on our start, uh, guys. Uh, this is uh, Herbert Mouton, and uh, it, it is great to hear that a, a, a member of the Divine Nine is is doing something uh, for the for the young lady. I am a member of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> well, I, I need to put my husband on the line now, then. <laughs> and then my fr yeah, yeah, my fraternity yeah, brother, yeah. Uh, Mr. Arthur Flemings, is one of our co-hosts. But go right ahead. Thank you, thank you, other friends. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so what we come to uh, uh, kind of realize uh, as a, as a team is that uh, our voting our voting registration uh, in the black community is very low. Uh, a lot of our felons are brainwashed uh, that they can't vote, and that's not true. So uh, one of our main objectives is to uh, come together and do a voters registration rally to try to get uh, those that's not really educated on voting, educated in voting. 
because a lot of a lot of us are distracted by the presidential election and doesn't don't realize that the local uh, voting is 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 as important as well because those are the people who we actually interact with on daily and those are the people that can make changes in our neighborhood right right now. So uh, a voter registration is one of our main initiatives. Uh, another initiative we're going to do is uh, law enforcement engagement. So we're going to come together with the community, uh, speak with law enforcement, kind of see uh, what law enforcement uh, wants from the community, what the community looks for from law enforcement, and kind of build that bridge of communication and uh, sure. so forth. Uh, we also will be doing uh, introducing uh, the community into uh, uh, trade. You know, a lot of people, okay. you know, think that you have to have this degree and, you know, uh, so forth. So have you to to have a, a, a good pay. Well, right. you can go and get a trade and make just as much money as, as one with a degree. So uh, we're going to introduce those type of things, uh, trying to put the neighbor back in the hood, you know, doing things uh, with the elderly, doing things with the young adults, uh we have a uh, MLK center in our neighborhood in the middle of third ward that's been abandoned for over 30 years. Wow. You know, and that's where, you know, uh, uh, preschoolers used to go, uh, sure. after-school programs were held, and it's been closed for 30 years. You know, wow. they've taken a lot of things. Uh, Boys and Girls Clubs been closed down. YMCA has been taken out and kind of moved out further. You know, so our kids don't really have anything to do during the summer but hang sure. out. You know, and once we start yeah, hanging right. out, we start getting introduced to, you know, different things that, that's not healthy for us. And for sure. Can, can I interrupt just one second, please? I'm sorry. Yes, suffer, but uh, Just to encourage those that are not not speaking, if you could mute your lines, and then when it's time for you to speak, then just open your line up. And that way we get a, a good, good, clean, clear a podcast, and so tomorrow you can go back and listen if you need to, and then that way um, we don't hear the background noise. But go right ahead, uh, Mr. Muton, and tell us more. Yeah, so we're just trying to bring, again, bring the neighbor back in the hood to where we're all on the, the, the same page and uh, just doing things in the community that, that, that we used to do. So, uh, you know, Jonathan Ville, uh, he's one of our players that, that moved off. You know, he went. He moved to Dallas. Now he's in Oklahoma. So okay. uh, he's been kind of, you know, doing things out there, and uh, you know, manifesting that he's been all across the country. Uh, Jonathan, you want to tell him a little bit about, you know, what you got? Yeah. And you guys, you guys can go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you've done since you left from uh, Yates, and and then and then tell us what you're what your plans are, what you're doing right now in regards to uh, this particular activity. And then once again, if everybody else can mute your lines, because I, I really hear a lot of, a uh, lot of movement, a lot of noises. So if everybody would mute and then we'll listen to Mr. Jonathan Bell. Thank you. Certainly. Thank you for your time. Uh, yes. So yes. after, after moving out uh, from Houston, um, I spent a 17 year career with uh, Chick-fil-A on the corporate uh, level. Um, and about three years ago, uh, I made a decision to, to leave Chick-fil-A and launch my own um, leadership development firm. And so as a result of that, I've been able to uh, take the leadership lessons that I learned on a high level and give it to and, and share those with uh, grassroots 
organizations. And so here in Oklahoma City, one of the, the huge initiatives that we've been able to to uh, create is, a, as Mouton was sharing, just a bridge between the community and law enforcement. And so that's one of that's one of the strengths that we want to bring to the table is, like, like Herbal said, bridging that gap um, because, um, you know, if there's no accountability within law enforcement, um, they can – they can, you know, abuse their authority. And so if the citizens don't know what rights they have and when they can execute those rights, um, it's going to be difficult for, for them to do that. So educating teenagers um, and having them interact with law enforcement at a young age, it helps to bridge that gap where you can hopefully rebuild the trust between the community and law enforcement. Uh, so it, 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 it's been great to see that, and uh, we believe with this initiative um, – we can we can you know strengthen that relationship between uh, my community at their ward and uh, the Houston Police Department. Okay, very good. So I know we have Mr. Von Dickerson, I believe, on. Is that correct, Mr. Mr. Dickerson? Von, if you, you want know, to open, yes, oh, okay. So Mr. Gerald, what? Gerald is on. Yes, yes, ma'am. Okay, yes. what's your last name, can Gerald? You yes, oh, yes. Gerald what is your Moore. last name? More. Okay. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell. Yes. Got you. Go ahead. Okay. Like I said, my name is Gerald Moore. After finishing high school with all these guys, including uh, the late, great George Floyd, I actually got a scholarship to the University of Oklahoma playing football. And from there, um, I was uh, blessed enough to be drafted into the NFL to play with the St. Louis Rams, um, Oakland Raiders, and uh, finishing up with the New Orleans Saints. And my experience with that actually helped me uh, participate in mentorship programs, and the NFL required us to go out and speak to, to the youth and also share with them. So part of our initiative that we're going to be doing with the mentorship, um, where I'll probably be more heavily involved, is trying to reach the youth. And, and to tie into the, uh, to the voting initiative, um, class of 2020, is the new class that we really need to reach. And they have endured yeah. something that none of us have endured, you know, since since we can remember. So, and I think they really need to get involved because a lot of things that are going on now, you know, with the government and the decisions that need to be made, they need to be more involved. So things like this won't happen again. Um, if, the, if anything this horrible ever happens again, um, and those are pretty much the initiatives that uh, we're going to be working on, and that's the one that I know I'd be probably, you know, a little bit more engaged with. I'm being engaged with all of those as well as the uh, bringing the neighbor back into the hood as well. Excellent. You just said something that brought my attention back to last year, uh, Mr. Gerald, and then, but the congratulations and and being able to make it to the NFL. Uh, it's not a lot of people that can say that they made it there. So outstanding. We're very proud of you and the work that you're doing and have done, and all of you that have been so successful and continuing uh, straight from Yates on up. But I was reminded that last year, about probably maybe seven, eight months ago, well, let's just say, I'm just going to say a whole year. It hasn't really been a whole year, but we had a town hall meeting, and that town hall meeting uh, consisted of the same identical things that we're talking about uh, right now. So in 2019, we were talking about the same thing. We were talking about Tamir Rice and 
we were talking about uh, Eric Garner, and we were talking about Mike Brown, and I know you guys remember all of this, and, and the same thing that happened to them. And so we thought that we had moved away from some of this, and here we come uh, the next year, and we actually observed something that was even worse than, well, we, we, let's just put it like this. All of it is bad, but we were able to observe it with our own eyes on national and international television. At what point, at what point do you see that, that we'll be able to move away from continuing to have these kinds of talks over and over year after year? Any any one of Gerald or, or Jonathan, any one of you, Mr. I'll Herbert, speak, go ahead. I'll speak on that. Yes, ma'am. So, sure. uh, again, you know, we, we've always seen police brutality, and, and like I, I tell everyone, you know, we will always ask, well, well, what's the difference? So the difference is most of the time in previous years we see pictures, we see glimpses of, of, of media. And and I was telling, I was talking to someone, and I say, if I, as an investigator, if I if I was to give you ten pictures, you would have to line those pictures up, and 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 assume and and, and do your investigation on the occurrence of those pictures. So 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 you you're really not knowing what's happening in between each picture to put those pictures in the order that the the, the situation was happening. Well, with, like you say, with George Floyd, we witnessed it with our own eyes. Yeah. It, it, it's not really much investigation that needs to be done. So why wasn't those officers arrested immediately? They, 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 that's that's, the, that's yeah. the, the outcry right now. You know, the first thing you did was suspended them indefinitely with pay. After the mayor okay. spoke, then you fired these guys. These right. guys got to go home. You have guys uh, that we know uh, in our hood that have been uh, caught with drug possessions and so forth, so have you on lesser crimes that have no bonds. They have no bonds. But you have four officers that, that's recorded on national TV, local TV, that, that, that you know, basically killed the guy. They, they held him until he was non-responsive, and all they get is until the mayor says something, then they get fired, then they get to go home. Yeah. But you have drug offenders out here that, that have no bun, you know, or, or $100,000. I mean, it's, it's, it's really until they treat officers as if they was public citizens, it's going to continue. Right. Well, you, you know that I'm reminded of, of the fact, and I'm going to let you have it next. I, I'm reminded of somebody who actually took some lives of folk and then was able to stop by the fast food restaurant and have a burger uh, before he got to jail. So, uh, so I guess my my question would be, uh, at what point in time? I mean, do we feel that that we cannot continue to ignore? Uh, the racism in this country that allows this kind of crisis. Our America is in crisis right now. So dialogue a little bit on that because uh, we, we just have to talk about these, but we cannot just continue to just talk about them. Something has to actually happen. Any one of you gentlemen jump in there. Well, 
Yeah, I definitely agree. There has to be a call to action. Um, as you said, ma'am, there has been a lot of talk. Um, but what can what consistent and continual action has there been? Like you, you may mention of uh, the the list of names that that you know similar actions have happened to in the past. But the system is designed to to wait us out. And so what happens is we 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 have emotional fatigue. And so um, just like to, like today, they just announced when the preliminary trial is going to be. The preliminary trial is not scheduled to March eighth, twenty twenty one. And so what happens is when when they when they when they they drag the even setting the trial date out, you lose the momentum. And so we cannot we cannot have have uh, emotional fatigue. We have to understand, set in our minds that this is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. Exactly. We have to understand this is a marathon. And so, like so, this 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 idea of fighting for social justice. It can't be when something happens, but it has to be an ongoing conversation and ongoing actions that accommodate that. So not only when something happens to a brother like George Floyd, but also, as, as Herbert ta- alluded to earlier, going to the polls, exercising your right to vote, but then also holding those, those, uh, those elected officials accountable to, to whatever their platform was. And so it, it's, it's a, it's most of the layers of accountability needs to take place with citizens, the law enforcement officials as well. Okay, very good. Yeah, everything circles back round to that voting booth. Was that somebody else that was trying to say something? Here's what I want to do. I, I want to – I'm retired military. Mr. Arthur, one of our co-hosts, is military. And, and we, have a, we have a commander on the line with us tonight. Um, that used to be the commander at Fort Hood. And so, and then I think we have another, we may have Mr. Dunny Walker, who is also retired military. A lot of reti- uh, military personnel, as a matter of fact, our, our, ad- our radio station just goes out across a lot of military installations. And, and, and so I wanted to bring him in because, we, because now we're still talking about, uh, we're talking about death of people, and we know that, and I'm sure everybody's been keeping up with the fact that two missing uh, soldiers from Fort Hood, Texas. And so I want to bring in Fulbert Colonel uh, Reggie Berry. Uh, Colonel Berry, are you on with us right now? Colonel Berry? Okay. I thought Colonel Berry was on. Uh, he'll probably come on maybe a little bit later on. So let's let's go back to our regular conversation. Can oh, you hear Colonel me? Barry? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I thought Fine. I was unmuted, but I muted myself. That's okay. Fine, Colonel. How are you doing? Welcome to Marvelous Monday. We I'm, appreciate you being on with us tonight. I'm good. Good show. I never never heard of it. Sharon Coleman told me about it. Is that right? Well, you got you you got, you got to do better, Colonel. We've been around a long time. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but, Enjoying it, especially. Especially the guys that are working with the 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 uh, the, the classmates, and, yes. and their initiatives. I think that's great. It's outstanding. We we so appreciate these gentlemen uh, for for doing what they're doing. They're going to be on our uh, town hall meeting on tomorrow, so we'll continue on. But I I wanted to just bring in the fact that that we. We as military personnel, we know that what it takes to get in and out of military installations. And so we we heard and read an article this afternoon that, that the body of one of the persons that was missing was found. 
And then, of course, there's a young lady, and she's uh, Hispanic, I believe. Uh, that would be a person of color that they have not been able to locate that person yet. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a few minutes, Colonel, if you hang tough with us. And you can obviously join in with this conversation as well. But I'm gonna, I want to go back to the gentleman because I have a couple of questions that I want to ask. Either one of them can answer. And, and the question is, what do you see uh, is the biggest challenge that African-Americans are facing today in this criminal justice system, in, just in America uh, in general? And how do you see that we can pull ourselves out of this, uh, this crisis that we're in? Because it seems like the crisis is always geared toward uh, African-Americans. And I don't know if you want to dialogue on, on what, what some people call white privilege uh, I, I say I have black privilege, okay? So, uh, so I don't know what that means when when people tell me, uh, well, it's because I have black privilege, and I say uh, white privilege, and I say, well, I have black privilege, and so privilege is privilege. We all are equal, and we're all the same. But, gentlemen, dialogue on that a little bit on on how do you what do you see is our biggest challenge, and how do you see how we can pull ourselves out of this crisis that we continue to be in year after year, month after month, when we keep having a death, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're at home or whether you're playing in the park uh, or are you just walking down the street or you went to the store to get Skittles, it de- or whether you're in custody like Sandra Bland and many others. I mean, where are you supposed to be safe? And that's why I wanted to bring the colonel in because you're supposed to be safe on a military installation, right? Uh, the colonel, uh, the uh, commander, which is what the colonel was, is supposed to be taking care of the people who are on that installation. And so if we're not safe in the care of our installations, if we're not secure in the safe of law enforcement, where are we secure? But answer that question, in either one of you gentlemen. Go right ahead. Well, I mean, okay, I don't my, know. My, my I don't know. Is... Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I don't know what we can do, to be honest, because we've tried everything. Even before us three were born, we were marching. We, 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 were, we were doing everything that we, we thought was going to work. Um, yes, I think sir. it starts at the top. It starts at the top. And we, we're, we're continuing to see the same people that have been in charge and calling the shots in the same position for 30 and 40 years. And nothing has changed because we keep getting the same dishonest people that are, 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 are in the same positions of power, and they're not allowing us to progress. Every time we, we, we get a step forward, we get a step back. I was reading a book on the Reconstruction era and how black people thrived during Reconstruction, and then Jim Crow came and set us back. You know, it seems like we keep reliving the same thing over and over and over again, you know. So, but we have to get mobilized. We have to vote and we have to get people, honest, God-fearing people who really want to do the right thing that are in a position of power, that want to do right now. You know, so we can comply. We can not comply. We die either way. You know, I tell my son, you know, what to do when he, if he ever gets pulled over by the police officer, but I'm not sure if that's going to work. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I just tell yeah. him the best thing that I can, and I tell him that how, how I will respond, and I hope that it, it works for him if he was ever to encounter a police officer. I think you just said uh, something. Uh, go, ahead, go ahead. Is that Mr. Davis? Uh, you know, oh, and, 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 and as I was listening to Gerald, 
and I and I reflect on uh, uh, the fifties when we made a major impact when Martin Luther King led that bus barcode. Those people were determined. They did not ride that bus for over three hundred and sixty some days, but they they hit them economically in the park. They pulled their resources together. They did. Uh, uh, people walked to work. People uh, uh, took jitneys. You know, they had carpools to work. So that, but they were all together. And I think this movement right here with uh, 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 what has happened with uh, George Floyd around the country has, has reached a tipping point in America where people of all races are coming together to say that uh, now is the time for us to stand up and take a stand. And I really believe that with the diversity in this movement, and we can keep this movement going, and I applaud the uh, uh uh, his classmate Gerald uh, Herbert and, and Jonathan on this call tonight for coming together as one because it's, it's, this is the beginning. And I, I thought also, Jonathan was saying that we shouldn't get tired. We shouldn't get tired. And I, as I reflect on those people from the 50s doing in Alabama with Rosa Parks, they were consistent. They stayed focused on the prize. And the prize was to make an impact within that city. And they did that. So if we go back to that mindset, and come together as one. And one of the initiatives that they are leading is voter registration, voter mobilization. If we can and can mobilize folks, get them to the poll, get them focused, educate them on, on the issues, we can make a difference. I really believe we can make a difference. And this is the tipping point for that movement. Uh-huh. This is a tipping point. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. I know, Mr. Arthur, I know you have something that you want to jump in there. And then after that, I have a specific question that I want to ask Miss Rihanna, which is one of our co-hosts as well, of the other ethnic group. She is of Caucasian persuasion. And so I have a specific question that I'm going to ask her uh, because as uh, – as Mr. Carl laid it out so beautifully, but not only were African-Americans out there working on the behalf of equality, there were our Caucasian brothers and sisters who were out there working as well. But go ahead, Mr. Arthur, with your question. Mr. Arthur, unmute your phone and come in. <laughs> okay, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear I can hear you, yes. Go right ahead. Uh, okay, first <laughs> I'd like to say, uh, you know, I'd like to thank those guys down in Houston doing that work. Uh, just a little FYI, uh, when I when I got out of out of high school in '69, I, I wound up in Houston, uh, going to Court Court College. But when I got down there, I lived in Third Ward, uh, and uh, and I tell you what, I was in there from '69, from December '69 to April '71, and I learned a lot. Got shot at a couple of times. I had never got shot at before. So I said, well, I think I'll just go ahead and join the military since I, I think I'm ready now. So. So you guys got me ready, but I love Houston. I just got a bunch <laughs> of friends down there. Uh, uh, but I want to ask you guys this because, like, I remember the police that were down there at that time. The type of stuff they were doing, you know, picking up black women and doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then you lead it up to right now, where you guys are trying to connect the community to its power. So what I'm, I guess, what I want to know from you guys, either one of y'all want to answer it or all of y'all, uh, what are you doing to connect your community down there to its power as far as uh, having them understand that right now, at this moment, every generation has its time. So this is this is our time right now. So it's things that we can do right now. And, and that brother talked about the reconstruction. You're absolutely correct. And that's the way it goes. But each time we make some progress and get another beachhead. This last time we got a black president out of it. <clears throat> so, uh, 
So don't be discouraged by that. Uh, I, I, you write it's a marathon, so you know we're gaining every time. So basically, what kind of programs? What are you all planning to do to uh, educate the community to this to this new reality, and uh, and and help them uh, speak into uh, speak to existence what they want to see uh, when this new norm show up. Anybody that wants to dialogue on that. So I think I think one of the go ahead, Mouton. Go ahead, go ahead. I think one of the things we talked about is, um, you know, going to the block and those guys who are who feel like they don't have a voice um, and don't feel like their voice can be heard, like letting them know a step by step process that can take place where their voice can be heard. Um, I think when when people feel like they don't have a voice, they feel like they're empowered. And so our initiative is to let them know that they have a power, um, and it's not a physical power, but it is a it is a legislative power, and a uh, you know a, um, exercise the diplomat diplomatic uh, role and process that we have. And so it, it's all about education. If you if you don't know better, then you can't do better. And so if, if you don't know the importance of going to the polls and, and making your voice heard, and then after when they get into to office continue to talk, you know, hold those officials accountable to, you know, whatever their platform was. Um, I think what happens is sometimes you see, you see, uh, you see things that happening um, on a grand scale and you say, well, I'm here on the block. I'm on, I'm on the corner. What I'm doing, ain't gonna, ain't gonna, it's not going to have an effect, but every, you know, I think Mouton says a lot. He says, you can't do everything, but you can do something. That's so right. whatever that, whatever, whatever you have, wherever you have influence, um, speak up, stand up, speak up, and be accountable. And so, you know, that, that that's our whole goal uh, with, um, uh, you know, this this voter registration initiative, empowering young men and young women uh, who live in the neighborhood to let them know that you have a voice, and your voice can be heard um, by changing the system, and you change the system by by you know um, making an impact at the polls. But the word also, in the word, at least up in the word you were looking for was. Moral power, moral authority is what you do. Moral authority is what you need to educate them on. If they have a moral authority that nobody that nobody else have, uh, we have as black folk, we vote 90% in a block. We have a shared history, so we got a special kind of power thing we do. So just educate them on that 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 each of them have a moral authority that nobody else has. In America, we, we we also we, we also working on an initiative uh, called uh, the Power of Self, and uh, that initiative is uh, this component of our initiative focuses on helping young adults eighteen to twenty five focus on cultivating and actualizing their talents and aspirations by introducing them to professionals and environments that will lead them in the direction which will aid in their success. So that's that's one of our initiatives as well, but it's kind of further down the line. We're just trying to prioritize. The initiatives for the right now. Right. Excuse okay. me. Am, am I? Yes. Can I? Yes. Can you go, hear me? Already had. Yes. That's another one of our yes. military personnel, Miss Sharon Berry. Come right on in, ma'am. How are you? Good evening. I'm fine. Evening. Um, my husband had to drop off, but I wanted to add, in addition to your moral authority, you have a civic responsibility to your community and to each other. And it's not enough just to um, ask our kids to adhere to things. We have to teach.
teach them to stay. Why not run for office? If you want to change the police, you become a police officer. You you run for city council. And I don't know, you know, and we tell our children, you know, about getting a great education, but we don't tell them to take the next step and run for office. That's how you get rid of those um, politicians, quote, unquote, that stop serving and being accountable to their constituents. So we have to tell people, and it's never too young, 18. What's the young man now that's 24 that we just um, won the the primary, and he's about to, I guess on his next birthday, he'll be 25. But it is never too early to have that talk with our children about being the next generation to lay out the rules. Great point. Great point. Because and you and know that's what they really say, if you are not if you are not um in the room, you're probably on the menu, whatever that saying is. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't have it yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well if you if you don't have a seat at the table that's if you don't it, have yeah. a seat at the that's table the then menu. you then you're on the menu. That's exactly that's exactly correct. You know, I I wanna bring I wanna bring in another perspective. As I mentioned, Miss Rihanna, who is of Caucasian persuasion, she is my daughter. She can't even convince me that she's not. But I wanna hear some comments from her because I believe that it takes all of us working together as a team in order to get rid of the racism that continues to plague our nation. Ms. Rihanna, come jump in there. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that everyone has joined us tonight. This is a huge, awesome uh, panel that it, it's just got a huge benefit for our audience to hear uh, from all of these amazing people who are doing wonderful things. So thank you all. Um, and I, in, in times like this, when you ask for my perspective, I, it behooves me to, um, <laughs> to mainly speak to our white brothers and sisters again um, and just remind all of us that racism started with us. It continues with us. It is a white problem that we must solve. Yes, it takes all of us together uh, to fix any problem, but um, white folks' silence perpetuates this uh, constant stream of racism. Um, Our lack of willingness uh, that we, our reluctance that we we always show uh, to get behind people, to just get behind people who are demanding change just simply because they do have the moral authority and it is the right thing to do. And that's why I think this time is different. I don't know if it's maybe uh, partly because of the pandemic, people were at home, more people who weren't paying attention before had to see with their own eyes what happened to George Floyd, even though they should have seen, they should have heard, they should have just listened should have given the benefit of the doubt all along. It's been going on for hundreds of years. Maybe the difference is that they had to see because we're stuck at home. Whatever the difference is, the thing that I'm seeing that I really want to see more of is a willingness of white folks to get behind leaders and follow them and listen to them and go where they lead and just simply get behind it instead of trying to take things over. 
I'm really happy that that is happening. I think that uh, the paradigm shift that Mr. Arthur talks about, uh, this is part of it. I hope this is part of it. I hope it continues. And I'm proud to stand behind everybody on this line, and thank you all for what you do. Thank you, Ms. Rihanna. That that was outstanding. So what I heard Ms. Rihanna say is that it began with our Caucasian brothers and sisters. It has to end with them. And, and, yes. and they need to work on our behalf to make sure that this does end. I want to go back to, I yes. want to actually go back to uh, Mr. Gerald Moore, who we know played uh, professional football. And he's going to be with us on tomorrow night. We're delighted about that. But the question that I have for you, Mr. Moore, is because uh, let's circle back to uh, Kaepernick. And so does the NFL players have the right to protest uh, against racial discrimination by kneeling uh, during the national anthem? And, and people really got this all confused and they got this out of whack uh, as to why Kaepernick actually knelt uh, during the national anthem. Can you dialogue on that a little bit? Because I understand that he spoke with, and, and like I mentioned, we have several military personnel on this phone. And so he talked to military personnel about uh, about that kneeling, and he's not the first person that have knelt before he right. he decided to do that. Right. So can you dialogue on that a little bit? And I'm going to mute out, sir. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, I mean, we all, I mean, I always knew what it was about. And before he took a knee, he would just sit on the bench. And um, I'll back up just a little bit. When I played, I got drafted in 1996. We didn't even have to stand for the national anthem. Most of us were still in the locker room or we were on the field kicking the ball around and doing other things. It wasn't until the military struck a deal with the NFL that we were made to or asked to stop everything and put our hands over our, over our hearts. So it hasn't always been that way up until recently. So um, from my understanding, he got the um, the idea to kneel as a, um, as, a as, as, as a as a mean of respect, respect, um, right. not to disrespect right. the flag um, to kneel, and that's what it has always been about. I never saw it to be anything disrespectful to the flag whatsoever. But of course, you know, when it comes to changing the narrative. That's something that this country is very good at doing when they don't want to hear mm-hmm. something. So, mm-hmm. and it happens time mm-hmm. and time again. But um, he was ahead of his time. He's like Muhammad Ali, ahead of his time. And and sure. for years to come, we want to look at him in the light that we we looked at Muhammad Ali, who was once hated and now loved. So he's going to fall in that yeah. category. Yes, yes. Well, I let, let me share this with you that I I said. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, gun control and all of that. But I said that if uh, if every black man in America would pick up arms and decide that we were going to be packing, I think we'd have some gun control uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly, I think. But uh, dialogue on that, uh, because that's one of the big things that we're not trying to take away uh, anybody's uh, Second Amendment. They, you know, I, I say to people all the time, uh, I had to carry M16 and I had to pack weapons when I was in the military. But when I go out into, and uh, now that I'm out of the military and I'm out in the community, I don't want to have to do that. But you come by my house and try to break in, I may have something for you. So therefore, I'm not trying to take any weapons away from you. But 
can you die, can any of you dialogue on uh, the Second Amendment rights and the fact that all of the weapons that we have on the streets and and a lot of lives are lost? And, and the other thing that I want you to dialogue on as you're talking about this, because you hear people say this all the time. Well, what about black on black crime? You know, that's that's all we we hear about is what about black on black crime? Uh, anybody jump in there and dialogue on that? Any gentlemen, go right ahead. Uh, can I say something about black on black crime? Okay, go ahead. Uh, first of all, listen. <clears throat> when folks when folks come to you talking about niggas that black on black crime line, first of all, you need, you need to say, what about white on white crime? Yeah. Eighty six percent of white people kill other white people. That would be yeah. true. But, yeah, but 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 sixteen percent of white people kill other. You know, they kill more of other people, so they kill mm-hmm. more of other people. Yeah. Than they do themselves. So when they get you to look at black on black crime, this that this because they don't want you to look at white on white crime. That's right. They kill more of other people and other races than anybody else. So. Again, when they roll up on you with that black-on-black crime program, uh, first of all, it has nothing to do with nothing. It's just a diversion, just a gaslighting or whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> and so you need to stay, stay focused on whatever it is you're trying to, your point trying to get across. But that's just a distraction. That's, that's all I want right. to say about that. Quite honestly. Black-on-black crime. Good. And to, yes. to, to piggyback on that, when it comes to black-on-black crime, we're always held accountable. Not okay. only are we always held accountable, right. we're getting more jail right. time than anybody else. Right. So that's not even part of, you shouldn't even bring that up. We're talking about <laughs> police officers being held accountable. We're not talking about exactly. violence as a whole. We're talking about holding these men accountable for murder. I know guys basically that we went to school with who committed murder and things of that nature. They had no problem with taking them to jail and giving them maximum sentences. So we just want the same thing done when it happens to us. That's the issue that we're yeah. having. Hey, could I tell you? Right. Hey, could I tell you? Uh, since, we, since we're in Houston, uh, like like when I was Houston, when I was in Houston, I was like 18. I was going to court reporting college. I was coming up Elgin Boulevard one day, uh, you know, right there at Elgin and Dallas. Two police just pulled me over, right, uh, had me take the back seat of my car out, put up my trunk. Well, by that time, a whole bunch of brothers and sisters had gathered around. What y'all missing them for? You know, and they, and they did that whole thing. And then so they, you know, they saw, you know, y'all didn't move, you know, so, you know, but they wouldn't leave. They stayed there. And because they stayed there, hey, look here, I could have stayed up. Hey, y'all may would have never known me. That's all I'm saying. So, you know, like, those situations do exist. They real. I mean, I can tell you a couple mm-hmm. more Houston stories, but I have to say for later. But, uh, Yeah. <laughs> But here, but also, here's the deal. Also, they really, the police officers try their very best. I'm talking about the bad police officers, the bad cops, the the bad apple in the basket. Uh, They don't even want you videoing. They try to stop you and preclude you from videoing. But there's a lot of telephones out there, right? So just know that somebody is always watching. So do you think then? Because they know that somebody's always watching, that's why I'm so amazed that this continues because they know that there are a zillion uh, telephones out there and people are – because here I am, as soon as I see 
this is it's just a habit that I, I kind of stop and slow down and wait around to see what may transpire. We shouldn't have to be doing that. Uh, but but because well, what, there's a little bit of a distrust. Go ahead. Somebody wants to jump in. Go right ahead. Yeah, but when you've been doing something for 400 years right. over and over again, it's kind of hard to just stop. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's kinda yeah. like uh, you know, you catch – you know, if you catch folks in these uh, 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 school systems stealing money and all this kind of stuff, it's been going on for years, and then you catch them, and, you know, they can't just stop because it's a whole system that's been built yeah. around it. And so, you know, and, and again, you got to understand the law protects the police. They know that ain't nothing going to happen to them even if they kill you. Right. Well, that's a hell of a power. That's a hell of a power. They're the only ones that's above the law. You know, the only folks that's above the law in the United States of America is police. Right. And, and okay, I, so I kind of concur, and I curve, concur with you on that because of the fact that they do feel they're above the law. And if you look mm-hmm. at what happened to George Floyd in there, they knew that they were being video uh, taped, uh, but yeah. they didn't care. They didn't care because they felt that, well, we can get, a, get away with We're going to get off. But that's that mindset that they're in. And we're going to have to change that mindset. We have to change the narrative. We have to change the system. But we're going to have to be vigilant in doing that. And one way, and as I said, the, uh, uh, their voter registration initiative is going to be very impactful. And once we start mobilizing people, getting, educating them on, on uh, the do's and don'ts, uh, some of the programs that they have listed, working in the neighborhood, you're bringing the community back together. We have become so from each other. We don't have the communities we had uh, years ago when everybody looked out for each other. And those are some of the initiatives I hear these young men bringing back, bringing the hood back to the neighborhood. When we were kids growing up, you know, you uh, yeah. if the lady next door said, don't do this, or caught the door or something, there was repercussions, you know. That's but we've gotten away from that now. But if we put true. some initiatives and start mobilizing folks, educating our community and coming together as one, we can make a big difference. Very good. That's how I'm saying it. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, uh, that's what that term, it takes a village to raise a child. Mr. Davis, you're 100% correct. If anybody got out of order uh, in our community, anybody in the community, any adult could reprimand that child. And then before you could get home, uh, that person who reprimanded you had already sent the information ahead of you to your parents. And so you may have gotten a little more reprimanding once you got to your home. But, Ms. Rihanna, I wanted you to bring out a, about an article because, as the gentleman has saying, everything, everything turns right back around to that voting booth that, that everybody's talking, Mr. Davis was just talking about. Yes. But share with us how some of some elected officials uh, just go ahead and share with us, Ms. Rihanna. Yes. Well, there's, there's two articles that I want to mention because I think um, they're related in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I'm going to post the links to these I've posted. I've definitely posted links about this report many times over the years um, on our show descriptions, but finally, uh, 28 members of Congress have called on the FBI and the Department of Justice to finally release the full documentation, unredacted, of the FBI report from 2006 that said uh, very clearly 
uh, the title of it is White Supremacist Infiltration of Law Enforcement, and it was a very detailed, very clear report of mass infiltration of our law enforcement across the country in every state, in cities and towns across this country, um, of, of law enforcement officers uh, being revealed as members of far-right groups, uh, white mm-hmm. supremacist groups, um, mm-hmm. and infiltrating police departments, medical examiners, and even judges and prosecutors, uh, members of hate groups, anti-government groups, um, solely focused on uh, law enforcement recruitment. And uh, the the Republicans um, who were in charge of Congress at the time uh, got mad and offended by that report. And then two years later, they got mad and offended to find out that white supremacist groups were recruiting returning veterans and trying yes. to put them into law enforcement. And they demanded yes. apologies for these reports rather than releasing them. And these, some of the same people who are in office right now uh, got mad and huffed and puffed and demanded apologies rather than talk about this and do something about this. And now they deny this problem that's happening right in front of us every day and call pro- protesters thugs and, and just pretend it's not happening. Well, one of those members of Congress, uh, Representative Clay Higgins, from Louisiana, yeah. this is the, yeah. the second article that I'm going to post, is a former police officer. Uh, from, this is from the Picayune Times in New Orleans. Uh, he is a former Opelousas police officer, and we now have a report that he actually, um, his office, uh, as, as an official member of Congress, uh, has employed a former fellow police officer from his old police department, uh, specifically one who helped him lie to an internal affairs uh, investigation to cover up man uh, who just happened to pull up in front of a house that these cops were searching, and they pulled him out of his car and uh, beat the stuffing out of him uh, and then lied about it. And so and this see, congressman yeah. was elected ahead, to Congress and then turns around and hires his, you know, racist, lying cop buddy to work for him. These people have power. That's why this voting initiative is so important. That's why the polls are so important. And that's why it's so important that we just make sure that we know when reports like this come out and we demand action like yeah. we're demanding right now. This shouldn't stop. We've got to keep this going. Got to keep it going. Thank you for that, Ms. Rihanna. I'm going to take this next question because I was reminded of several things that Ms. Rihanna said. Uh, I'm going to start with Mr. Herbert and, and talk to you about this first, and then any of the rest of the gentlemen can go to it. But, but I, I think about um, how, how can we create a positive social change uh, in America? And how important is it for us to to be global? We saw people around the world, not just in America, but after the murder of Mr. Floyd, we saw people everywhere uh, protesting. So, which tells me that that this this is a global issue, not even just an issue of racism uh, in our country, but it's just that it's everywhere. And to me, uh, it, it's a form of bullying. We talk to our children about anti-bullying and everything, but, but this is what I see this as with the bad cops 
uh, taken the lives of, of innocent uh, black men and women uh, that's going on about their business. They're just downright bullying, just taking their lives until they die. How in the world, uh, Mr. Mr. Herbert, can we find this change? We, we got to be able to say we got to come up with something that we can give to, to the people, period, the Black Lives Matter people, because they're serious. As, as Mr. Carl said, they're, they're very serious. They're not going to stop protesting, just like the people way back in the day. And we all have protested. We, in, the last, in the last three years, I've been involved in five different protests. In this country, what can we do? Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Mr. Herbert. There's got to be something that we can share with the people that are listening out there because it's going to take all of us working together to stop this global issue. Just listening to everyone uh, with these good points, uh, I think the main thing is we can't get emotionally fatigued. We can't get emotionally fatigued. We have to continue, continue, continue. And just uh, mm-hmm. thinking about the emotional fatigue and uh, Jonathan saying that we can't stop, we have to keep going, uh, I think that the group that we're, that we're working with, uh, I think we're prepared for that. And, and, and why I say that is because during football season when we was coming through uh, Yates High School, uh, we had tour days. I don't know if anybody from me with tour days where you practice two times a day. You practice in the morning and you practice at night or in the evening. So every morning before we practice at 7 o'clock, we ran two miles before practice. Then after the evening practice, we ran another two miles. Those extra miles were for not just the fourth quarter, but if we had to go in overtime, we wouldn't be fatigued. That's all right. So just, you know, how we think about, you know, our parents disciplining us when we're young, we never understand why until we get older. But just thinking about that, how our coaches prepared us for this moment to Mm -hmm. not give up on this race and to continue to fight for our our player, George. Just think about running two miles before you practice in the morning and then running an additional two miles after you practice in the evening. We're running an additional four miles a day plus practice. So just mm-hmm. thinking about that just, just makes me want to even fight more for my for my classmate, my friend, my brother. So I think we, 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 as long as we continue and don't give up and, and educate people like that guy, then we, we have to educate one another. Yes. And in order to educate, we have to we have to read and, and intake information. You know, when I was going to school, they taught us about the flow chart of, of the government. They weren't teaching us uh, just to take a test. Yes, yes. We we was learning about the, the end, the legislature. We was learning about this stuff. At the mm-hmm. time, was I taking it serious? No, I wasn't. I was just doing I was a smart and intelligent guy. I, I graduated the top 15% of my class. Uh, I, I graduated from McMurray University in Abilene, Texas. But I did oh, wow. just enough just mm-hmm. to get by. Sure. Not not realizing that later on that I would really need what my teachers was giving me. Absolutely. But again, the main thing is not giving up, continue to fight and educate not just myself but others on voting, getting to the polls, 
and understanding the importance of local voting. Very good. That's, if I, that's if I, outstanding. If, if, I could, if I could add yes, on to that as well. You sure you, can. Just as, 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 as Herbert was talking about the, um, the reality of us back in high school having to run those two miles, um, it wasn't one person doing it by themselves, but it was a collective effort. And so yeah. we, would, we would encourage each other while we did those two miles. And so I was very, very happy to, to hear, hear my Caucasian sister talk about the ownership that the white community had to take in, in this role of, of, of racism and, and acknowledging the wrongs that were done um, over time. And so even as the black community seeks to, to change the top, t- turn of tide, it has to be a collective effort uh, on both sides, on, on the black in the black community, and then my um, white brothers and sisters as well, uh, because we're we're stronger together. Um, and so, um, as we wrap, wrap our minds and our hearts around these initiatives, together we can bring about a positive change for tomorrow. Very good. And Ms. Rihanna just sent me a message that, that uh, unfortunately, sadly, but at least we do learn that we have to learn uh, about government and civics and all these current events on the backs of, of, of the, the neck of Mr. George Floyd. Uh, so, so it's going to be incumbent upon us not to just keep this message and this information right here, but but my parents used to tell us that early childhood education was crucial. We got to go deep. We got to go way down there to our early childhood education students and teach this. And I think that's probably one of the ways that we have failed is that, that we did, the information that was given to us as youngsters, that we didn't pass that on down uh, to, to others so that we could have respect. Remember the basics that we were taught in kindergarten and first grade about respect your your neighbor next to you, sitting next to you, respect your friends, you don't you don't talk ugly to your friends, all of those basic things that we learned before we age five that we have to make sure that our children uh, know those things uh, right now, early, early childhood education. Okay, Mr. Jonathan, next in regards to this topic. Yeah, as I was, I was alluding, you know, just to, to Herbert's um, idea of the, the 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 two miles, and even now, that's why there's not just one person, you know, with the the Trump initiative or the Ada initiative, Ada initiative, but it's four of us because we want to support each other in this endeavor, and so even moving forward, um, as as those moments of fatigue come, we're there to encourage each other um, along the way, and so um, you know. I think it's incumbent upon um, not only only uh, blacks but also whites to step up and speak up um, and acknowledge the wrongs that have been done uh, throughout the course of time, but also um, yeah. speak out the speak out against the wrongs that are currently um, in place. Yeah. Uh, there's still some some system some systematic things that are in place, and I think somebody alluded to uh, privilege. Um, you know, Me. One of the, one, <laughs> one, one, one of the things. One of the things that, that I believe that we can that we can that will help or aid in in uh, turning the tide is if we use our pit privilege for the privilege of others. Yes, oh. yes, yeah. yeah. that's right. It's, it's huge. It's huge. We all, we, all a, yeah. we all have a level. We all have a level of privilege. Gerald has a level. Gerald has has a level of privilege because he played in the NFL. I have a level of privilege because I work um, in Chick Fil A corporate. 
Um, Herbert has yeah. a, has a level of privilege because he's a uh, he's an omega. You having a level of privilege because you're AKA. We all have a level yes, of privilege, but are, are we using that privilege for the privilege there of others? There you right. go. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. Wow, Mr. Carl Davis, you have some comments, sir. And you know, and and and, and piggyback on what Jonathan just said. Uh, one thing came to mind, is, and, and of course, you know, uh, uh, I'm a champion for gospel music. That song yes. that Donnie McClurkin wrote, uh, We Fall Down, But We Get Up Again. Yes, sir. That, that yes, says sir. that those who fall down, we got to help them back up again. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. And even those who are in our communities have made missteps. It's incumbent upon us, as you just said, you know, we maybe uh, have privileges, but we cannot overlook those who are. Uh, have fallen down, and I think if we embrace each other as a community, become a village again, we can make uh, more strides and do do more for our community as a whole. Very good. And even as we as we as we talk about yeah. the Trump initiative, that that word Trump is an acronym for for communities helping underprivileged minorities <laughs> progress. Mm-hmm. So even even if. Even even in our initiative, that's one of our heart's desires is to leverage our privilege for the un- underprivileged. Um, so, yeah, that's great. That, that's beautiful. Well, you know, another another little point that I, I wanted to bring out. Um, I I know that a large number of Black Americans think that this race relations that we continue to to have. Uh, has gotten worse since the 1960s uh, when we saw uh, our parents and, and some of us out there uh, protesting. And, but, but there's also a, a racial gap uh, that I see uh, in the United States when it comes to how, how perhaps the Caucasian people per- perceive uh, racial uh, interactions in regards to uh, versus how African Americans perceive it, and so mm-hmm. I want to hear how you guys perceive it. If you perceive that it's gotten worse since the '60s, um, like I said, we here we were last last year in 2019, and we were talking, we were having the same conversation, and then a few months down the road in 2020, uh, we're still having this same conversation, and periodically. We continue to have the same conversation. We had it with Sandra Bland. I mean, I can go. To, we had it with Mr. James Bird here in East Texas, Jasper, Texas. Uh, you know, he was drugged to death, and I think that uh, person is coming up to be executed finally. And that was a while ago. So, so do you guys see then that that it's it's getting worse uh, than what it was? Or just talk to me about that, Dr. McKellar, As I said earlier. Yes. I think we reached the tipping point, okay. and that's when you you look at what has happened around the world. When when George Floyd was killed by that police officer, it rippled uh, rippled around the, the world. People yes. who didn't know George Floyd was was protesting in countries that's that true. had no affiliation or never knew a George Floyd. But you see how it rippled around the world it means that it's at a tipping point that this issue has to be addressed. We need to come with. with some solutions, and we need to come up with some resolutions on how we're going to move forward as a nation. Now, this young man grew up in Third Ward, a graduate of Jack Case High School, my hometown, uh, my alma mater, and the others on this phone, right. was a proud young man. 
but who would have thought that the world would know who George Floyd is now because yeah. of that incident that happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It had created a ripple around this country, and I think we had a tipping point. And now the nation has to address They cannot no longer sweep it up under the rug. They can no longer just talk about it and then uh, move on. This is the tipping point of uh, police reform. Very good. So, so yes, I, and, and uh, Mr. Arthur wants to kind of reiterate that in dialogue on it a little bit more. I said that, and then we need global, we need global healing because you're right, people, people everywhere saw this. And so I said that probably racism exists in those parts of the country and the world as well. But go ahead, Mr. Arthur, I know you have some comments in regards to this as well. Yeah. First, I just want to say that uh, you know, you know, from we need to from 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 the uh, context of, you know, we are a global people. You know, we're global. We're not just here in America. So uh, we need to see our power as a global power instead of just seeing mm-hmm. it tile or where you at. You need to be thinking globally. Uh, the energy we're projecting right now is all positive. Okay. So we need to we need to rest in our power, and we need to. Speak into existence what we, uh, with intention, mm-hmm. uh, what we want to see in this next reality. Uh, now, yeah. on how long this movement going to start? On how long it's going to last? The last one was last like about fourteen years. I think this has been going on about uh, eight. And so, on how long it's going to last? But right now, it's time for whatever it is you want to do, whatever you want to see. You know, now it's time to uh, you know, put that out there, whichever way you can. Very good. Well, one of my questions tomorrow night for the Black Lives Matter group, and gentlemen, you can you can uh, take a look at this as well. As a matter of fact, I will uh, I'll put the questions out there uh, to uh, Mr. Davis so that you can see some of the things that we're going to be dialoguing and talking about uh, tomorrow. But uh, but but the question is that that how long, how much more? Enough is enough. We've heard all these slogans, these sayings, and these are not new sayings. Our ancestors said these same things. You know, they were sick and tired and tired of being sick of sick of being tired. You know, they were tired and they just sick of being in the position that they were in. But but how long do we have to continue to march and protest and march and protest, go to work, come back, march and protest. They've been marching and protesting every single night, every single day since this happened. So now what I'm asking is what now? When are we going to go and sit down at this table that Ms. Sharon Berry was talking about, that if if we're not sitting at the table, then we're on the menu. And we don't want to continue to be on the menu where other folk are discussing about us. So how are we going to bring these people together? When are we going to sit down and talk to law enforcement? We're going to have some law enforcement in the room uh, tomorrow night. But do we sit down and outline this is what we want to do and this is how we want to see this take place? And who's going to be the person who leads us off to do those kinds of things? Anybody can jump in there with any uh, suggestions or any comments in regards to where do we go from here? For Mr. Floyd, go ahead. Can I just say this? Uh, uh, I just want to say, first of all, we are, uh, uh, remember, we're in the middle of, this. Uh, you know, Civil War never ended, okay? So we're still trying to end the Civil War. 
So, you know, so that being the case, you know, we need to, you know, what we're seeing, basically, we're seeing white folks north and south still fighting. Uh, but, but the last time when they ended it, we were not at the table. So what we got to do is make sure, like you said, Mr. Keller, we are at the table when the deal is done. And part of the deal is reparations, right, you know, in, you know, in a form that can be stolen back from us after they give it to us. So, uh, you know, so basically I said we have to, you know, work through those types of things. But basically, uh, you know, we're at that moment. So, you know, so what we have to do is just basically – uh, you know, put it forward. Ms. Rihanna said it. Also, uh, says, yeah, go right ahead, Jenny. Go ahead. Also, when we're doing these things, uh, we need to uh, uh, make sure we read the fine print. You know, uh, okay. the fine print is, is, is very important. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell people all the time, and uh, I used to be a, a teacher at a charter school. Uh, I used okay. to be a seventh grade English teacher and a BCIS, a computer class teacher. And uh, I tell Excellent. my students, you know, all the time, it's, it's very important to know how to read and to read everything. Because yes. you could miss something in those in directions hmm. if you don't read the directions. You know, it's almost hmm. like buying something from Ikea and trying to look at the box and put it together without reading the directions. Nine times That's out of ten, it, it might look like that picture but something's going to be backwards or something's not going to be profitable. So we need to take our time, read, get that information in, read the fine print, go from there. And let's make sure that we're transparent. That's another thing. We're not always transparent. We have to hold okay. people accountable. If you say you're going to do it, we need to see it done mm-hmm. in a timely manner. You know, so we need to cross our T's and dot our I's and just make sure that things are transparent and that we yeah. read every line and, and, and not try to spin through it. And if we don't understand it, don't be afraid to say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you explain that's it to right. me? You know, that's, that's another right. thing that, that, that our kids are scared of in school. They, they, they're ashamed to raise their hand and let the teacher know, I don't understand this, because they don't want to get laughed at by the next student who really don't know anything. Uh, oh, that's so well put. I love that. Well, I, I'm, I'm reminded of what Mr. Carl Davis just said a few minutes ago, and he talked about gospel music. And so so it, it takes my mind back to uh, social togetherness and, and our teachings and our upbringing. That's what we heard a lot of in our homes. Uh, we heard the gospel, the gospel music. Uh, the music is universal language. And it, it stabilizes relationships and bring us together. It's a great time that we socialize and leisure time and getting together, one with the family. And so I, I see that the, that we pulled away from from the togetherness, the family uh, oriented orientation, and the stabil that was the stability of of in my opinion of of the nation, not even just the African American community and the African American family. But but the nation, period. Um, any dialogue on that? No, you're 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 dead on with that. I remember um, a comment that uh, Jagger Hoover made about uh, Martin Luther King. He said that the only the only way we can stop him is to break up the home. Mm-hmm. And so if if you if you think about what has happened to the oikos, which is the home 
um, especially in the African American community, there has been a strategic plan to to eliminate the the males. And yes. if you eliminate mm-hmm. the males, then you you eliminate the the, the role models. You, you eliminate the stability um, that that comes. And, and so that's not a knock on any single mothers. I was raised in a single parent home. Um, it, but a mother can only do what a mother is designed to do, which is nurture, cultivate. Um, but yes. it's, it's, it's the father in, consistently in the home that brings about stability um, and sets mm-hmm. the standard for the home. And, That's right. Um, be, because because that that idea was understood to break down the, the family, they had to take out the, the, the males. And so we think about mass incarceration and, and the drug epidemic, uh, epidemic that 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 just um, deteriorated the the, the urban mm-hmm. uh, communities across this nation. It was a it was an attack on the males and um, to eliminate them from the home. I mean, if you think about can I follow the, up on that? The, go ahead, yes, sir. Uh, uh, and to follow up on that, uh, at, at, at an NAACP convention in in, in uh, Chicago, I got to meet Mr. Arthur Thatcher. Now, he's a guy that helped write the welfare reform bill, and so forth. A black guy, and so and I had to, and I asked him. I said, "Why, why did they set it up where? Uh, why did you set it up where a black man couldn't be in the home in order for the women to get welfare?" He said, "He said he said he didn't have it set up like that. He said he had it set up totally another different way." And then Nixon them changed it. You know, you know, H. Ross rose up and all that. But anyway, they changed it to what it, you know, became. Mm-hmm. And and so, uh, you know, so I'm just saying that this program been been look at this program been running for a long time. Long so, time. So, uh, you know, <laughs> just listening to realize what the program is. Um, well, Mr. Honest just said that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Taylor, I have asked yes, sir. a friend of mine, uh, Tina Oliver, who's from uh, Illinois, worked for. The governor up there at one time, Tina. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, come right in. Hello, ma'am. How are you? Fine. Hello. How is how's everyone? Great. Welcome to Marvelous Monday. Great to have you on. Awesome. I just, you know, I appreciate the conversation, and I think it's been very riveting. Um, I, I would just like to add, though, um, as we consider our social justice needs as a people. I mean, oftentimes the conversation gets uh, muddled and we never get to the question of economics. And much of the social disparity that we suffer as a people is driven by, you know, a lot of, uh, a, lot of or just, or, or a, a lack of opportunity and the lack of community-level uh, economic opportunity. So we've got to get to the point that what we see first, I think, of what we rate, and as we begin to raise the issues, we got to deal with the, the, you know, the economics at a, at the community level. You know, look at businesses. Look, you know, look at supporting businesses. Look at ways we can raise entrepreneurs. Look because the dynamics that create the problems that end up being social, you know, really can be addressed or at least can be mitigated to a significant degree. I believe um, if we deal with it from an economic perspective. Thank you. That's outstanding. You are absolutely 100% correct. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, economics on tomorrow night. But I believe it's July the 8th that we're supposed to have a big day of 24 hours of keeping our monies in our community. Is it July the 8th, guys? I believe it is, or 7th or 8th. 
where we July the seventh. It's the seventh, okay, July the seventh. Yes. Where we're gonna keep our money in our community. As a matter of fact, we're gonna keep it in our pockets, right? We're gonna keep it in our bank accounts, uh, and 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 begin to build uh, more um, African American wealth. Uh, in in this country, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm I'm looking at putting resources in uh, our some of our black-owned banks in this country. I think we have what maybe about 27 left. A lot, quite a few closed, to include the one here in my city, uh, ended up closing. But thank you for bringing that out, ma'am, because you're absolutely correct. Anybody want to dialogue on that conversation in regards to economics? Yes, uh, well, uh, I would like to speak. Uh, Tina Oliver worked with me and Darren Peters uh, uh, on the Future Black America Symposium that was held uh, in January here in Houston uh, during the Women's Missionary Society of the African Methodist Episcopal Church uh, Executive Board meeting. We brought together uh, three organizations that are black, the uh, Black Civic Participation uh, National President, uh, Melanie Campbell. We brought the Women's Missionary Society president of the AME Church, Deborah Taylor King, Karen Carter, Rich of the National Newspaper Publishers Association, uh, and of course uh, the late president uh, Valerie Bell, the Connection Lay Organization, AME Church. That we brought four women leaders of major national organizations together uh, who came together uh, under one umbrella to have discussion of future black America. And on the panel discussion with economics, Tina, are you want to expound on those panel discussions? Right. We it, it, you know, just momentarily here, you know, we've talked about uh, several, uh, I think, critical things uh, that, you know, as, as people we need to consider. Um, the issue uh, around uh, automation, um, most of the middle, uh, middle class jobs are blue collar, if you will, middle class jobs. Um, are, are going to be impacted by automation. And if we don't move our community to a place or uh, our mentality to a place where we, we can begin to address, train, retrain, and create, uh, you, you know, other opportunities, um, you know, bus drivers, uh, there are automated buses now. You know, if you go into Walmart, the, uh, there are many, there are more, autom- you know, self-checkout centers. So we have a real serious issue that's kind of looming. And so hopefully, you know, we can address this as a community that begin to come up with um, tools and options and opportunities um, that will help us um, move past that. Um, also, the issue of uh, STEM, you know, our kids, I mean, if we think about what's going on in education right now, I mean, kids may or may not go to school this year. And, and yeah. you know, we're going to have a serious conversation around STEM, um, the schooling, and how that looks we're going so that our children are not left behind. So, you know, I do think that there, um, that these new new issues are creating economic opportunities for us to stand up and answer the questions for our communities ourselves so that, you know, so that we can benefit from, from the answer um, from an economic perspective. Very good. And, and economically, I'm glad you brought, uh, and economically, go ahead. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Uh, but look here, and also, look, also economically, we need to advocate at this time at this time, we need to advocate for a, a Marshall Plan for our community. We need to be a part of this recovery coming up. If we're not a part of this recovery, then we're going to be sitting around waiting on white folks to give us jobs, y'all. We can't do that mm-hmm. again. So that's our kids. So we got to advocate for a Marshall Plan right now. You know, it may be a part of the overall reparation plan, but we need to advocate for that right now. 
because again, like I say, you know, we need to be a part of recovery, and uh, we need to be creative. We need to start being more creative in education. Okay, as you said, you know, school may not even start this year. So, you know, so we're going to have to figure out ways, again, advocate to get technology into our homes, into the homes that don't have it, where we that's can right. start to be creative. And, and again, and what that's going to do, it's going to have some unintended consequences of giving people some other opportunities to create what it's going to do. So, uh, yeah. again, we need to advocate for that technology, is what I'm saying. Okay. Right. And I can Thank you for that. We, all, mm-hmm. uh, and we also must introduce. Is, Oh, yes. uh, yeah, we all, we all, we must also introduce uh, those that uh, those males and females that have been incarcerated to uh, pick up yes. a trade again. Like I spoke mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. Uh, you yes. can make just just as much money with a trade as you can as as, as a, uh, a college degree or a white collar. Mm-hmm. So we must mm-hmm. introduce them uh, to to the different trades uh, that we have, uh, uh, you know, in 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 the industry. Uh, also, uh, as a, uh, a manager of a restaurant, uh, a black-owned restaurant, uh, we as, as as blacks, we must not only support one another, but the same respect that you give any other restaurant or any other mm-hmm. business, give that to the black business. You know, if, mm-hmm. if they go in there and some cost ten, twelve dollars, uh, we always want to try to negotiate with one another. But when you go to the Galleria. Or, or you go to the white establishment, whatever they put on that that tab, that's what you pay. You might not tip your okay. wages, but whatever they tell you to pay, you're gonna pay. You know, <laughs> they that. go with customer service. You know, we must teach our, our blacks about customer service. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of young black kids they don't understand wait, wait, just customer just service. Just a second. Yeah. Uh, right. I'm gonna ask them a question. Um, okay. Yes, sir. Let, let Let's hear from yeah. the others and then. But well, go ahead, Mr. Okay, okay, as a restaurant on, okay, as a business restaurant on a person, again, again, and I fight with black folks about this all the time. Uh, you know, they want to tell me about somebody black, but you know, and so what I'm saying is, uh, can we? And it's something that I, that I want to, that I'm going to, that I'll be put forth in the WACP. Can we come up with some type of uh, black education, consumer education plan that we can do with our own community? kind of break that barrier down because a lot of things that we do when we do business with each other, it's based on stereotypes and some other stuff that we don't know that's up in our head. So uh, do you think it would be a good idea to create a uh, a, a consumer education program between our communities and our black businesses to kind of, uh, you you know, bust up some of those myths? And and I, I concur with you. I think we need to do that. Uh, and and uh, when we had the symposium back in January, we and uh, Sharon said, you know, if you're not in the room, you're on the menu. And we, uh, our strategy was to identify. A lot of people don't know that there are seven African American lieutenant governors in this country. Yeah, we right. invited uh, 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 two of them. We had Mandela Barnes, who's the youngest, uh, from Wisconsin, 33 years old. Uh, to be on the panel. We invited uh, uh, Sheila Oliver, uh, who's over the Commerce Department in New Jersey, and they came, and, and they are in the room. And we didn't, we shared with them ideas and what uh, uh, we would expect. And, and out of that discussion, we're creating a policy uh, paper for black America. Isn't that correct, Tina? You want to expound on that? We had uh, Rodney Ellis, who was on that panel, just 
his role now, he's the chairman of the Black National Black County mm-hmm. elected officials. So he has a, a large reach around this country. And earlier today, we were on a conference call with uh, his staff member because they have an item, a resolution dealing with racism. Uh, and he has been a champion for minorities. He has uh, in, uh, implemented a, a disparity study two years ago because blacks were not getting contracts with Harris County. They don't even have an MWBE program. And and the beginning of this year, the, he brought the effort to disparity study was still in place. Well, they put in place an opportunity uh, for business uh, office. Well, they are going to be monitoring those contracts, make sure that blacks are in the room, blacks are getting their fair share. We pay taxes, but we don't yes. get those contracts. So I, I applaud him for that and let that effort, and now they're going to be a study in all county departments. If we pass that resolution tomorrow, they will be uh, uh, doing a study on everything, on wages, on uh, contracts, on uh, hiring, all of that, to make sure that we get our fair share of everything, because this country was built on our backs. This country was built on our backs. It was Absolutely. the free labor they received from the slaves that Absolutely. built this country. Absolutely. That's why I thank you for bringing that out, Mr. Uh, Mr. Carl, because I say this all the time. Whatever, whatever you get as an African-American, your ancestors have already earned it for you anyway. So there, nobody's giving you anything. It actually belongs to you. But I, let, let me bring out a couple of things. My, my father used to tell us when we were growing up that don't always focus. Don't always focus on being an employee. Start a business and become an employer. They never told us, they told us to get, get the greatest education and then whatever it is that you enjoy doing, go and if you don't come back and work in the family business, watermelon, roses, potatoes, if you come to East Texas and you, and you ask for that, you're going to hear my family's name. But you don't have to focus on uh, being an employee. You don't have to work for somebody else. You can work for yourself and employ people. And then I tell people when I go in, it, when I go into the Walmart store, not that frequently, I say I don't work for Walmart and I'm not checking myself out because that's taking somebody's job. So I suggest that anybody that goes to any store that they want you to self-check, say no. I'm going to stand in line so you can check me out so that you don't continue to take jobs because that technology is going to take over. And after a little while, we're going to have robots doing everything, and we're not going to need people. So I'm not going to help them along the way with that. Comments, anybody? But, but yeah, Dr. Uh, Tina, I, I'm sure I like totally to agree with that. Uh-huh. Because uh, uh, we need to move into that area of technology, training our people, you know, uh, to build those computers, uh, build those robots, uh, and Tina's a strong advocate for STEM, and I am too, uh, because it's a paradigm change. It's a paradigm change. Go ahead. uh, Okay. I would just add that the, that even even when you consider STEM, uh, you know, um, I'm working with Rim Services Incorporated, it's a company right there in uh, corporation right in Houston, Texas, and we are in the process of concluding our first uh, a pilot of a blue STEM program, and this is trying to get uh, youth interested in transportation careers. So we're going to, you know, I think that we're it's wholly doable, but as a people, we're going to have to think differently about the things that we, uh, you know, are looking at and doing. I mean, we're, you know, we, you know, we operate in the transportation space, and you know, you know, we're looking to try to figure out how to help people become heavy diesel mechanics 
become ASC certified and then they can go work and work on buses and stuff like that. So blue STEM programming is also something that we, you know, that we can kind of consider. But, you know, I think these things are wholly doable. I think we are very highly intellectual and very uh, 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 people with great ingenuity. But I do think, you know, we got to become more organized in our efforts so that we can work together, uh, you know, and and to help each other uh, expound on what we need to get done. Very good. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, I, I want to allude on uh, to you talking about uh, just having a CEO mindset. Um, I think it's something that has to be cultivated at a young age. I'll give you examples. So here in Oklahoma City, I have a group of about uh, 12, uh, 12 young people. Four of them, I'm sorry, three of them are my own kids, and they all have started their own businesses. And the, the goal, the goal is for not for them to ultimately, you know, have their own business. If they do, it's great, but it's to cultivate a CEO mindset. If you understand, okay. yeah, if you understand how CEO thinks, even if yes. you're working within a company, you understand that that company doesn't own your progression within the company. You, That's you, right. you set that pace. You always have a continuous mindset to learn and, and grow a new skill. And so if yes. we can c- cultivate that at an early age, it could be simple as having a lemonade stand, but understanding the, the, the business side of having a lemonade stand. I'm, What's the Absolutely. cost of lemons? What's the cost of the sugar? What's the cost of water? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna price it at? Okay. Once you sell out, what do you do with those funds? Do you go to to the Nike outlet and spend it all on some shoes? No, you reinvest mm-hmm. a portion of that into your business. And so yeah. I think at an early age we have to we have to cultivate a CEO mindset with individuals so they can understand that, like you said, um, you're not an employee. Um, but you are the CEO of yourself. Absolutely. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Wow. Amazing. Let's talk a little bit more about economics and <laughs> and, and July the 7th. So how are we going to make that happen? Let me tell you what, that is a very difficult thing to do. Somebody brought out tennis shoes, and, and I, I was told that, that after a person got X amount of dollars, a large number of dollars, maybe a million uh, nine uh, dollars, uh, and uh, the, the, one of the first things that they did was went and bought two hundred and fifty some pairs of tennis shoes. Uh, I had to take a deep breath on that because because somebody needs to be taught early, and that's I think that's what uh, one of the gentlemen was saying. I can't remember which if that was Gerald or a Mutan. I can't remember. I, I'm trying to get the voices together, and I can't remember which one it was. But we have to teach early, very early. That's why I I talked about early childhood education and all these little things that we used to have when we were in high school, all these various programs. As mentioned early on, uh, you can find a trade that you can make a lot of money, a lot of money. There was an 18-month program, speaking of of technology, uh, learning computer programming and all that way back when computers first started to be very, very popular. Uh, and, and they're making a gazillion dollars. They're teaching how to, to put an app together, make a gazillion dollars, and that's a lot of dollars. Uh, that's the term that I, I came along the way. Go ahead. Yes. Right ahead. You say that, and, and that's good, but, but you have to acknowledge the billions of dollars that goes into advertisement Mm-hmm. To get him to buy 250 pair of shoes, he didn't just go buy because he liked shoes. He was he was indoctrinated into buying them shoes. 
Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Yeah, well, it was she, a female. Well, she was a, a female. Okay, well, you know, she was indoctrinated to buying those shoes. Uh, you know, I'm in education also, and I say, and again, you know, the kids, the, the kids in the building, you know, they have to, they have to wear those dress uniforms. They can wear their own kind of shoes. So basically, right. you know what I mean? So that's how, that, that's the social status, the shoes. So I'm just saying that it's a it's a it, that it's kind of it's, it's a culture thing among the, uh, among youngsters that grow up with it. Again, it's a marketing thing also. So well, let, let me share this with you guys. It, 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 can I just jump in there and say this? If I'm gonna have mm-hmm. 250 pair of shoes, they're gonna have Dr. Shirley McKellar's name on it. Okay, that's <laughs> bottom line. <laughs> I understand that. I understand. You know, and, and, and I'm gonna be selling about... them to you guys. Go ahead. Well, they, 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 me and you was raised. You know, they, me and you was raised before all this technology. See, they, they were like born in it. They, they were like swimming in it. Me and you weren't right. swimming in it. We, we sitting back looking at the whole thing from uh, from when it started to where it is now. They were like born in, like kind of like being born in water. You know, they were born in it. So their perspective on everything is going to be the how can I do it technology wise. And when they say and that, I don't have a problem a, with that. A, Technology, yeah, 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 I believe it. I spend my lot of time with technology. That. No, but I'm, yeah, but, yeah, but, Mr. but Mr. Arthur, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I don't know how technology fits into buying 250 pairs of, of shoes. I like shoes. It goes but back as to, I oh, said, I'm say it again. Oh, okay, I'm going to say it again. Uh, when you have billions of dollars of, it, okay, uh, I'm up here. But, but this up person didn't have billions. Okay. Oh, it, 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 no, no, I, I, think, I think he's talking about the advertisement. The, the, the advertisement. Oh, I we, we, had a guy, we had a guy. We had a guy. We got him out of San Francisco. He brought what he called TV One and DISD. TV One, every day at 9 o'clock and at, and at I think, 3 or something like that. It, okay, what you were doing in your class, it would pop on. And it would give you it would give you a little bit of something about some of the world, and then and then do all these advertisements to your kids. I'm telling you what they were doing, and I'm just saying those are the kind of programs. Oh, I, oh, I get that. that I understand. That are being fully. targeted. That are being targeted at our community. And he said, "Well, why did why should you buy 250 pair of tennis shoes?" I'm just trying to give you an example of how and that then, happened. Okay, it let ain't me that give you. you just wanted them. And let me give you this example. This is a full-fledged <laughs> grown woman with children <laughs> that that happened to to get some money on the back of a desk, yep. and then uh-huh. and she's got children in her household that needs to be taken care of. And uh-huh. I don't care and her how child, you slice it. And her childhood, and her childhood, and her and her childhood, in her childhood psychology, which never left her, just took over. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Taking over drastically. Yes. You okay. did. You bought some mm-hmm. pair of shoes. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dr. Dr. McKellar. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, and I concur. You know that we need to uh, uh, those kids who are not uh, uh, college ready, not going to college. You know, won't have those opportunities. We need to bring those uh, uh, trades back into the school system yes. and move yes. our people into those trades. Uh, because uh, they can make it, as Herbert said earlier, as much money as those who with college degrees. And one of the programs that, that Jeff Boney and I fought for uh, at Yates is the Maritime Program. We're trying to get our kids interested in that program. Ten years ago, both of us served on the Puerto Houston Small Business Advisory Co- Commission, and while we were in that meeting, they announced that they were investing $2 million, giving Texas Southern University a $2 million endowment 
to start a maritime security program. And right. so they said they were looking for a, a high school. So Jeff and I said, well, you know, Yates. But they were pushing for us, uh, a school near the Port of Houston. Well, mm-hmm. uh, we wrestled with that for a while, and we were able to get two schools into the one. They put a program at Austin High School. They put one at Yates High School. Those programs were going to mirror each other. They moved us from the small business to the Maritime Education Committee. So we were there at the table in the discussion. They said these programs are going to mirror each other. After the first four years, uh, uh, they had tabletop computers. And then I think it must have been the fifth or sixth year, all of a sudden they uh, put in Austin High School a simulator where you can walk in a room and actually drive a ship. You have the screens up there, and you like you're driving a ship. Uh, and those uh, uh, people who drive the, those type of jobs, those pilot jobs can pay a quarter of a million dollars. And there's not uh, many people of color in those positions. So our kids need those same opportunities. We were finally yes. successful with a long, hard fight. Just install that uh, uh, simulated gates where you can walk in there. And all of a sudden we had the pandemic, so our kids didn't get a chance to uh, experience that yet. It's there, but they haven't had that experience. Now we don't know what the school's going to start in September, so that's constantly delaying yes. our kids from those opportunities. And for Absolutely. them to tell their friends, you know, I had an opportunity to drive a ship. And see, you're so right. And we live here in East Texas where sometimes our broadband is not all that great. As a matter of fact, I use my hotspot on my phone more than I can get on to my Internet uh, service in my home. Uh, so it's going to be a real issue uh, if our children, and I don't see see how that we're going to be able to get back. We're going to end this show with talking about COVID-19 and where we are. In the, and, and most people that are on right now uh, dialoguing with us live in Houston, Texas, and that's one of the number one areas where we see the growth of more cases. Uh, so, gentlemen and, and Carl, everybody, uh, do, do we see that Texas – uh, open its doors uh, too quickly. Now, I'm a medical personnel, and so I've been screaming. To, I, I worked uh, for 45 years in, in the medical profession, and, and infectious disease and infectious control was one of my primary things, both in the military and in the civilian world. And so many of these things that, that they're saying now that we just found out, no. We didn't just find out a lot of these things. I looked at Dr. Burke and Dr. Fossey, who, and they did a, uh, Dr. Fossey did a great job, and everybody really loved listening to him. But they held back on some things that they already knew because they've worked. These are uh, virologists that have been working in infectious disease and control for a lot of years. Basically, that's all they have done. And so they knew what we needed to do, but they were complying. As somebody said, things have to start at the top. They were looking at what was, what was happening at the top. And so because they were looking at what was happening at the top, here we are uh, now in, still in COVID hell, uh, and it looks like that is going to be around a long time. But dialogue on that uh, a little bit, gentlemen, each one, and, and we'll, we'll go ahead and start. We'll, we'll start with Mr. Mouton first, and we'll just do our round robin to uh, Mr. Moore and, and then Mr. Jonathan and then, then Mr. Carl Davis, and then, then we'll get ready to end the show for the evening. This has been an amazing show, and I have enjoyed myself so much with you guys tonight. Go right ahead. 
Well, uh, we uh, experienced a couple of deaths. Uh, we had a classmate, uh, Big Craig. Uh, he passed away of COVID. Uh, uh, my my dad, he's uh, positive. He's uh, in ICU right now. Uh, oh, so, so he's sorry. dealing with uh, COVID. Uh, but yeah. we, we definitely have to take it serious. And uh, like you say, uh, they, they kept some things away from us on the on the initial uh, outbreak. But, you know, that, that comes with uh, uh, communication and, and our resources. You know, we, we must, you know, open our line of communication and resources so that we can be transparent. You know, and that's the thing, being transparent and open. You know, yes. yeah, we don't have to fall for everything, but, you know, let, let's be cordial about things. You know, th- this is something serious. You know, I don't wish this on my worst enemy. You know, and saving lives is, is, is very important. You know, so, you know, keeping that line of communication open and, and giving us feedback and information that we need and using the resources that's needed, you know, is very important. So, you know, we just need to take it serious, uh, abide by, you know, any uh, restrictions or rules or policies or procedures that they have in place for it, and, uh, you know, just follow up and, and, and share the information, uh, you know, with our family and our friends. Very good. Thank you so much for that, uh, Mr. Rutan. What about you, Mr. Moore? Comments on COVID nineteen and Miss Rihanna, I, I share this with you. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Miss Rihanna just sent me an article that says the medical examiner's autopsy reveals that Mr. George Floyd had a positive test for uh, COVID virus, coronavirus. Did you guys know that? Right. Okay, go yeah, ahead. I heard about more. That. I, I, okay. Well, I think the whole COVID nineteen thing has been political from the start. Um, and we all know that we don't have to go into the details. Um, I think we, um, our officials chose economics over health and mm-hmm. it backfired yes. on us. Um, yeah. And I myself, my niece actually has COVID 19 as well. She's in school in uh, Texas A&M and she has the symptoms. She still hasn't um, got her sense of smell and taste back. It's been probably over a month. So okay. it's, it's hit home with me. And I've had an opportunity um, to to speak with her and really get the sense of how it is to have it. And um, we're seeing right now, um, today I watched on the news, the mayor, he has a wall of shame that he put up with a lot of restaurants Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that haven't abided by guidelines, and he's been exposing them. And we have people that are just willing to to party. They want to party more than they want to take care of themselves or take care of the people around them. And, yeah. and it's a lot of young people as well. So we have to really keep pounding it, pounding it to them. And we have adults who um, they don't want to wear masks for some reason. And they yeah. think it's, it has something to do with their rights. And I don't understand it, um, how it has anything to do with their rights. But, you know, it's, it's about being safe. And right. um, until we take it seriously, 2020 is pretty much going to be over. That's how I see it at this point. I agree with you 100%. Thank you uh, for that, Mr. Moore. What about you, uh, Mr. Bill, Mr. Jonathan? Yeah, I, I concur with my, with my brothers Herbert and, and Gerald that uh, <laughs> there has to be a, a heightened level uh, of not only awareness but um, um, taking this, this COVID-19 seriously um, because lives are at, lo- at lo- on the line. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, not only protecting yourself, but think about others as well. Um, you know, you may not be experiencing symptoms, but you could be asymptomatic and, and right. be passing, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 around. So, you know, I, I think we have to have to follow the guidelines that are, that are in place, you know, whether it be wearing a mask or social distancing or, you know, just if you, if you need to get out, just get out and get the next necessities and, and, and return back mm-hmm. to your home. You know, yeah. those, those things like that. I think um, if, if we fail to do that, you're going to see an uh, increase in positive cases and increase in deaths. So I think the more, you know, we, we take a step back and, and follow those guidelines that, that have been laid out by, you know, the CDC and our health um, officials, I think we'll, we'll find ourselves in a better place. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I, I, I appreciate it. Outstanding. My dear brother, my friend, Mr. Carl Davis, first I want to thank you so much for bringing uh, these fine gentlemen on, and we look forward to tomorrow night. Let's hear your final comments for the evening, Mr. Davidson. Thank you once again. Well, again, thank you uh, for this opportunity. Uh, but I'm a strong advocate, as, as my uh, I call her my big sister, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, has been a yes. strong advocate from the beginning for testing. Uh, we yes. need to make sure those who are moving around in the community are getting tested, at least know their status. If uh, There are a lot of people walking around here, as I said, asystematic, those who, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who are subjected to those and those people who and don't know their status. Uh, so she has opened up about eight uh, um, uh, testing sites along with the city testing sites and along with the county testing sites. So we're encouraging yes. people to get tested. We've been holding uh, food distribution drives around, and one of the components that I put when uh, when I lead the, the effort, I make sure that we do voter registration. We do mm-hmm. We have food mm-hmm. and mass distribution. Yes. And then if, if when we're partnering with churches, if we are able to, if they have a large enough parking lot, we bring in testing. So we create a one-stop shop so that you can That's know whether you can get uh, your voter registration, you get the census, you get your food, your mask, and tested <laughs> all under one number. And that prevents you from coming out, you know, uh, uh, numerous times. <laughs> but yes, I, I'm Thank a strong you. advocate wow. to get tested. Uh-huh. Thank you, and thank you for bringing out my sorority sister in the 18th district in Houston, Texas, <laughs> Congresswoman <laughs> Sheila Jackson Lee. Thank you. That's beautiful. Mr. Arthur, your yeah. final comments for the evening? Yeah, early yeah, voting, yeah, remember, that, uh, early voting started today. Don't forget that, voting. Mr. Carl. Mr. Carl was talking about yes. uh, voting. Early voting starts today in Texas. Go ahead, Mr. Arthur, your final comments. Early voting, early voting everybody. Hey, hey look here. Uh, uh, FYI, the uh, Health and Human Services is getting masks out to the communities. I'm working with Ke- uh, Reverend Kev Tatum over in Fort Worth, so I'm getting masks over here. But basically, and basically, got, we're, we're distributing them to different organizations where they can get them out uh, to the people. So uh, there is a mask uh, program going on. So what I would say down in Houston, y'all would get in contact with your, uh, you know, you guys done that program, get in contact with the Health and Human Services down in Houston, uh, find out about the mask, and then, you know, create you know, create your program, go ahead and get those masks out, and then get some information out about your program while you're doing it. Very good, very good. I want, and, I want to share with you guys. Go ahead, Mr. Davis. I just want to say we have uh, Tina Oliver, Tina Wilkins, from Illinois, uh, would like to make a comment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Come right in, Miss Tina. We, it's, we're so happy to have you in with us tonight. You have to come back and visit with us again. Go ahead. I look forward to it, and, and thank you very much for having me. And I would just, yes, you know, kind of echo what, 
what everyone has already indicated. Um, you know, this is, it's wise to practice social distancing and, you know, wear your mask. But I would also lean into my faith and, and say, um, according to Isaiah 26 and 20, just stay in until the indignation passes. Y'all, that's all I have to say. Okay, that's good enough. <laughs> that's good enough. Well, I tell you what, you 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 just transcend me into uh, my final comments, and then we always end with Miss Rihanna, our engineer, uh, takes us uh, to our uh, theme song and all of that. And want you guys to stick stick around for that. But uh, but I think of of the unification uh, process, and I think about the love that that we were taught. Uh, in the African-American community as young folk growing up. And so I think that this unity that we need, this this eradication of racism has to definitely take us back to something that it seems to be missing uh, in our community, in our world, in our global world. And, and that's the global healing that we need to bring back love. Love just transcends, it just forgives and forgets all uh, discretions, all sins, and, and, and it just brings us all together along with that beautiful gospel music that Mr. Carl was talking about. So I, I just know that one day, and I hope that this happens before I leave this earth, that I will be able to see the unity in our community that we thrive to have, that our ancestors fought for, that Dr. Martin Luther King, Marcus Garvey, and we can take it all the way back to Malcolm X and all of those guys that fought way before we grew up to be big boys and girls like we are right now. And so it it is encumbered encumbered upon us to continue this fight, this fight that Ms. Rihanna talked about, that the Caucasian brothers and sisters have to work with us so that we can one day say that the inalienable rights that the, the Declaration talks about and that the Constitution, the people will say, well, the Constitution was not really written for us black folk because we were not considered as complete human beings when it was, was written. But I can tell you this much, when God wrote it, it was complete 100%. Thank you once again, everybody. We look forward to tomorrow night. Uh, for those of you that don't have all the information for our town hall meeting, we want to make sure that Ms. Tina gets it so she can tune in with us tomorrow, Mr. Carl, and we'll continue this conversation. It's going to be an amazing time because we're going to have some outstanding panelists from Black Lives Matter that's going to be on, and then we'll have our law enforcement in the room, and uh, we'll see if we can bring some unity tomorrow night. Thank you. May God bless you. And now we turn it over to Miss Rihanna for her final comments. Thank you guys for being here with us tonight. It was outstanding. Miss Rihanna? I just want to piggyback on that and thank all of our guests. What a wonderful show, uh, enlightening and positive. And we thank everybody uh, for joining us. I will post all the information for the Zoom and the articles we mentioned and information that was mentioned on the show. Uh, that I said I would post to. I'll post all of those on the show description for tonight so you can find them there. We thank all of you for joining us. And again, please wear your mask. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. We love you so much and we wish you a good night. One day when the glory comes it will be out, it will be out, oh, one day, 
Good night.